Welcome back, people, to the blue-white breakdown, Penn Live's Penn State uh, football podcast. We are out of season, but that doesn't mean there isn't news. In fact, I would argue there's almost as much news out of season as there is in season. I'm Bob Flounders, joined, as always, by Greg Pickle, a frigid Wednesday morning in mid-February. More snow on the way, Greg, but I guess it could always be worse. Hopefully, uh, the weather forecasters are wrong and we only get like 107 inches of snow instead of 300 inches of snow. But we'll find a way to make it work. I live in the city. I can walk to just about anything. You don't. You live in uh, Middletown. I don't. I didn't want to give away. I don't know. It's like the Batcave. I didn't want to give too much away, but. I know if worse comes to worse, you could just use Lola as a sled dog and get to the giant. So hopefully everyone stays safe. Greg, we have a couple of things to touch on this week. Uh, and let's start with uh, another shakeup in on Penn State's coaching staff. James Franklin now must replace his safeties coach, Tim Banks, uh, who spent several years with the Lions in that capacity. I think, I believe Penn State got him uh, from Illinois, uh, is now uh, expected to be the tech, the Tennessee defensive coordinator. Um, you know, you just never know what's going to happen, but this is the second uh, significant, no, third, excuse me, third significant coaching shakeup, Greg. James replaced Kirk Shiraka at o- the OC um, with Mike Yersich, the former Texas offensive coordinator. Tyler Bowen, uh, I think a, uh, a, a really uh, a bright, young, uh, offensive mind in college football coaching searches, circles uh, went from be- being Penn State's uh, tight ends coach. I know he helped in a lot of other things, a very good recruiter. He's now on Urban Meyer's staff coaching, I believe, tight ends for the Jacksonville Jaguars. So Tim Banks, uh, you know, w- what do we think about this move? Uh, Tennessee is obviously in a rebuild down there. They've got some potential, I think, sanctions, I believe, coming. We'll see how it plays out. But they, this is obviously a, uh, you know, he's going from being a, a position coach to a coordinator. And I'm sure James Franklin, when we talk to him, will say you can't stand in the way of a guy uh, doing something like that. But what do you think, Greg? Tim Banks to Tennessee. Uh, a lot of Penn State assistants somehow end up in the SEC, it seems like. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. I mean, for Tim Banks, I think it was a matter of Josh Heupel showed him the money, right? I mean, he's <laughs> going to make an average of 1.2 to 1.4 million over the three left. years yeah. of that deal. He wasn't making that at Penn State. You know, I'm sure he was making good competitive money at Penn State, but certainly wasn't making that. So how do you turn that down? That Tennessee defensive coordinator search, Bob, I think that you know how the old saying goes, nobody was offered the job, but the guy who took it. But if you followed it uh, in the Tennessee media <laughs> reports, there was probably five, six, seven, eight guys who they were either close to offering or did offer. And most of them turned it down. So they come back to Tim Banks and back the Brinks truck up. And, you know, it's funny back in December, uh, you and I had talked about the fact that Tyler Bowen could be one of the guys that moved on from this coaching staff. And we thought that maybe there would be some defensive staff shakeups with some of the issues they've had with tackling and pass yeah. defense and so on and so forth. And it looked like they were in good shape. And now James Franklin stuck kind of making this uh, late 
winter workout season higher. I guess that's somewhat fair. Um, but, you know, Sean Spencer left at the end of January last year. Now mm-hmm. you're in a place where you're trying to hire somebody. And most of these staffs have already been filled at the NFL and the college level. Most of these guys are getting close to starting spring practice if they haven't already. So I'm not sure how many of the ideal preferred candidates are out there. They might have to go a little bit off the beaten path here. I don't expect it to be a tie house situation where they promote from within Bob, but you know, they're going to probably have to pay up to get someone to come in here too. And the question just becomes, I guess, what role are they looking for? You assume, I guess it's going to be a safeties coach, but you know, what if you move Brent prize responsibilities to the safeties and bring in a linebackers coach, or what if you move Terry Smith to the safeties and bring in a corners coach, you know, I don't think they necessarily are mandated to hire a safeties coach. They could do some adjustments on that side of the ball and bring in somebody else. It'll be interesting to see who they end up with, but you know, I guess the one positive is that with no recruiting visits going on, it's not maybe as much of a rush or as much of an urgent situation as it would have been before. Yeah, uh, you make a good point. I think Joe Lorig, the special teams coordinator, was helping with coach the outside linebackers. Terry Smith coach has been coaching the corners for a long time. I'm certain he could obviously uh, handle uh, maybe some added responsibilities there if they wanted to just hire a t- uh, if James just wanted to bring in an assistant coach that he really liked and kind of create a role for him. I'm sure that's a fairly veteran defensive staff other than uh john scott the second year line coach that could probably uh they could probably move some things around so you're probably right i don't know that he's specifically going to look for uh a safety coach somewhere else i don't know if he necessarily is going to promote from within but a couple of things i wanted to ask you about um so tim banks when you think of penn state safeties the last couple of years um how do you feel like he did um developing him uh jaquan brisker is back. A lot of people really liked his finish to 2020. I think he was getting some buzz with regard to maybe going, you know, fairly early in the NFL draft. He's got all the measurables. He certainly, um, if you look at his statistics, especially during the four game winning streak, he always around the ball, made some plays on the ball. Like I said, ideal size, but safety position has kind of been a little bit of a challenge, Greg at Penn state. They've had to move players a lot of times to, you know, the safety position because some of the kids they recruited the last few years either got hurt, didn't pan out, you know, transferred out of the program. Even Jaquan Brisker, you know, they had to reach into the JUCO uh, ranks to get him. Another safety they like, and I hope I'm I'm pronouncing his name wrong. Uh, I hope I'm pronouncing his name right. Jair Brown is another JUCO. It just seems, Greg, to me, that they really haven't been able to identify and recruit uh, top safety talent. They've had to kind of do some things with smoke and mirrors. Maybe that's a credit to Tim Banks for making that work, but how do you think he's done? And why do you think it's been hard for Penn state to identify high school safety prospects? Is it, is it because the position is more of a hybrid now, or do you think there's just not that many of them because they have to be good against the run and the pass? Yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of the biggest issue Penn State's had, right, is that they've had some safeties who were really good against the run. Marcus Allen, Nick Scott, all the guys that kind of went to the NFL from, you know, yeah. uh, the last few years were really good as run-supporting safeties, but they struggled when it really came to being that over-the-top center fielder, pass defensive uh, safety that you need in this day and age. And you're right, I think it was 
was a mixture of recruiting issues. I think it was a mixture of development issues. Some of it's scheme related for sure. Sometimes those guys were just left on an island and I don't know if it would have mattered. You know, I don't know if it would have made a difference who you had back there some days. But yeah, I mean, you know, I did a Tennessee radio show on Tuesday. We're talking on Wednesday. And the first thing the guy said was the last time we talked was when Bob Shoup came from Penn State to Tennessee. And is it going to be as bad as that turned out? (laughs) Uh, And it's not to say Bob Shoup isn't a good coach, but I do think Tim Banks really got a lot out of some guys during his time at Penn State that maybe others wouldn't have. So I think that's a plus, you know, if you're Tennessee and looking at this and saying, okay, what are we getting with this guy? But yeah, I mean, that's one area where they just have not been able to hit home runs is safety recruiting. I mean, they had some four stars, Garrett Taylor, Lamont Wade, who were contributors, no doubt, but maybe didn't rise above that four-star level like you hope they would have when they were recruits. I mean, they turned Troy Apke into a draft pick, which is, you know, it's very impressive still. I know that speed had a lot to do with that, but he was certainly not a guy entering his last year at Penn State that people thought would be a draft pick. So, you know, I think Banks did see, you're right, smoke and mirrors is probably a good way to put it. Um, He did a good job here, both as a recruiter and as a position coach, and now he gets to call shots again. And look, he was always, I think, Bob, going to be a guy who was going to eventually go back to calling plays like he did at Illinois before he came to Penn State. So this isn't a total surprise. The timing is just certainly a little bit unexpected. Yeah, and just just to – I talked about the SEC and Penn State. You mentioned Bob Shoup, who left Penn State after 2015 – to go to Tennessee. Then he was at Mississippi State, I think, with Joe Moorhead. Joe Moorhead, uh, Fordham to Penn State, to Mississippi State. He took Charles Huff with him. Uh, Charles Huff later ended up at Alabama. I believe Josh Gaddis went from Penn State um, to Alabama. Tommy Stevens, not a coach, uh, Penn State to Mississippi State. Will Levis is at Kentucky now. It just seems like there's a – Gordon to Arkansas. Yeah, the list goes on and on. There is a there's a real pipeline from going to Penn State to the SEC, all different kinds of schools. So who knows who, knows who Penn, Penn State's going to lose next um, to the – Billy O'Brien from Penn State to Houston. Now he's on Nick Saban's staff. What is going on? What is with the Penn State – uh, migration is migration the right word? They they all end up somewhere in the SEC. I think it's a little weird. I think we're gonna get Dave. We should get Dave Jones on that. He'll he'll find a way. He did, and I think he did. Uh, he had a nice story, I believe, on Charles Huff earlier in the week, who's now at Marshall, head coach. Correct. So uh, I think uh, I don't know that your volume is working right now, but hopefully it'll pop back on. Yeah, but anyway, right, Bob. Yes. Um. So, yeah, anyway, th- th- that's quite an angle. So let's move this along here on the, on the blue-white breakdown, Penn, uh, Penn Live's Penn State football podcast. We, we just got done talking about, you know, Tim Banks and his move to Tennessee. What will Penn State do? They have an opening now on the staff. Greg, before we get to the next thing we're going to talk about, which I'm not sure yet, I'm, I'm, I'm forming it in my mind, um, tell, please tell the, the audience what they can do to rate, subscribe, find us, Get, get to see us as early as possible and complain to Joe Hermit about us not having theme music for this podcast. Well, you can do that by sending an email to jhermit, H-E-R-M-I-T-T, at penlive.com, requesting theme music for this podcast, which you can find wherever you get your audio, Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, uh, wherever you find podcasts, you'll find us. The video version's at youtube.com slash allpennstate. 
Bob, let me roll us ahead like this. One last thought on the off-field coaching changes for Penn State this offseason. Um, if you had your choice, if you were in James Franklin's seat, would you go mm-hmm. and find somebody who was an expert? If you had to pick between one of two attributes, an expert in pass coverage or an expert in ta- teaching tackling, which Ooh. one would you prefer and why? <clears throat> wow, that's – I mean, that's a – Greg, kudos to you for that question. The throwback that to is, the uh, I, I That's – that might be that might be a 50-50 call. I you know what? I just think Penn State when I look at their defense and I look at some of the problems they had not only this year but in, you know even in 2019 I, I just think they need they need more coordination with regard to pass coverage. I think I I just well, the reason I say that is James said that tackling was an issue in 2020, and it was. But the last couple of years, I, it just seems to me what's, what stands out is, you know, they've had players in position to make plays on the ball in the second day, whether it's corners and safeties. And either they don't locate the ball or they get penalized. And when they're not doing that, we've seen some straight-out coverage bust. So I would probably lean towards trying to upgrade – still the pass coverage and hope that the linebacker group uh, it's not just the linebackers either. I should, I mean, the defensive backs I thought had some issues with tackling as well. Um, I, I, hopefully it was just a one year deal and hopefully it might've been related Greg to, you know, when they got ready for the season, I don't think the way that James did it, I don't think they really emphasized contact. The guys weren't really together. And I just think they had to kind of, it took them a couple of weeks to really get it all sorted out. Hopefully it'll be a little bit different, Greg, with spring practice expected to start hopefully in a couple of weeks. And they'll probably have a little bit more of a different, uh, you know, August camp because you would like to think that <clears throat> it'll be a, it'll, it will be a little bit easier to do some things this year with the vaccine uh, flying around. But that's a good question. That is a really good question. <clears throat> and there's some people that you might you might actually have a different take, Greg. But uh, in your mind, is it tackling or, or pass defense that's making you crazy? Well, I think the biggest issue with like the, I think the pass defense issue has to be fixed by Brent Pry and the coaching staff as a whole. I mean, there's been times over the last few years, Bob, where we've heard Penn State players talk about basically the communication was an issue and it it seems like they didn't know who was passing off who to who and all that kind of stuff and uh and i think that was kind of one of the problems is that uh as dave jones buzzes in we should get him on the podcast but um soon soon absolutely soon but um you know, I look at it like this, that the pass defense has to be fixed from the top. The tackling, I think you could just teach it better at all three levels. So I would lean that way. That was a problem that gave Penn State, you know, Penn State would do all the hard work at times to get third, medium, third and long, and then miss a tackle on a guy two or three yards from the sticks and weren't able to get it done. So that's kind of where I stand with that at this point. Uh, I think tackling's the, the way to go, but we'll see. I mean, they've had trouble ever since the, you know, concussion stuff really kind of, uh, took off across the game of football is yeah. sort of when you can trace the tackling problems back to. They've always tried to be super safe in practice and with good reason, but that's led to some of their on-field problems. Okay, Greg, let's wrap this 
podcast up, this blue white podcast up, this blue white podcast with no theme music. Let's wrap it up. Uh, I've started some positional uh, kind of breakdowns and reviews of what Penn State's positions will look like in 2021, assuming good health, assuming no more transfers, all that good stuff. I've gotten through two. I'm working on a couple of more this week, but I, I always start with the quarterbacks. Did something on the running backs. Let me. Let, I mean, if you, the the audience can find them, obviously, uh, on Penn Live on Penn Live's football page. Hopefully, they're subscribers. That would be a big help uh, for us if they're doing that. They can access those. But Greg. My question to you is I've written about the quarterbacks and the running backs. So let me ask you this. Who is maybe one player at each position that you find kind of fascinating uh, this year? It could be for any number of reasons. It could be a newcomer. It could be a, it could be a true freshman. It could be a second-year player who you really liked last year. It could be somebody who maybe was dealing with injuries. It could be somebody we haven't really seen before that might be ready to assume a bigger role, but quarter, give me a quarterback and give me a running back that you're going to have your eye on this season. And why are you picking these two players? Yeah, I'm going to go with Christian Veyu out of the quarterback group, January enrollee, uh, four-star, three-star recruit, depending on where you look, hasn't played football since 2019. So it's almost <laughs> it's impossible to know where his skill set is right now, but, right. We know what Sean Clifford was last year, and we don't know what he's going to be now being taught by Mike Yersich. Maybe he takes big steps forward after 15 spring practices. Maybe not. Taquan Roberson. You know, everyone wanted to see what he could do last year. For whatever reason, they didn't give him a chance. I think you could look at read that a number of different ways. And then you have Veyu who comes in, and, you know, I just thought it was interesting the way Yersich talked about him during his first news conference. I know it was a little bit vague, but – he interests me the most. I'm just curious to see right. what he actually looks like now that he gets back on the field in a college program after some time in a college weight room. So I'm going to go with him. And then Good. running backs, Bob, uh, John Lovett, the transfer, I, I think stands out to me. You know, we know what these other guys can do in this room, but what will he add to this offense that we haven't seen before? Is he more of a pass catcher? Do they use him on third downs? Is he a guy who, you know, I, I just have a hard time believing that, he came to Penn State and didn't expect to play a good amount. You know, he could have probably found somewhere else to play a good amount, and he came to Penn State. So I know they don't promise him anything. I know they say they have to earn their reps. Penn State has a tremendous running back room, but I just have a difficult time thinking that um, he's not going to see some action. I'll be curious to see what it looks like when he does. Yeah, and to your point about the running back room, the last couple of years we've talked about it, Greg, as a strength. and. You know, two years ago, I think it was, but, you know, Penn State's had to deal with some issues uh, with running backs, whether it was injuries, medical issues, or players not working out. Unfortunately, Journey Brown's career came to an end prior to the 2020 season due to a heart issue. I'm glad they caught it, but everyone just assumed he was going to be kind of the bell cow. And, you know, Noah Kane, the true, the true freshman in 2019, his 2020 season is over after three carries with a, I guess, a lower leg injury. We never got like definitive word on that. So he's dealt with injury issues both years at Penn State. Devin Ford, I think, uh, you know, he had some issues last year. I think he had a health issue. I, I also believe that he had a family issue that really kind of 
limited what he could do in 2020. And then Ricky Slade, you know, everyone thought after 2018, he might be the guy in 2019. So to your point, just because a guy looks good coming out of one season, it just, it doesn't necessarily translate, I think, to you assume that he's going to pick up where he left off. So a guy like John Lovett, uh, you know, he definitely has a chance, but he does have some guys probably to climb over because he's the new guy. Um, I think Penn State likes both their young players, uh, Kevon Lee and Keziah Holmes. We don't know about Devin Ford, but if Noah Kane's healthy, um, I, I certainly would say that he's going to be a guy that uh, might begin the season maybe at the start, uh, at, at the top of the depth chart, but you just don't know. You're going to have to play two or three of them, Greg. You're right. And he does seem like he has ideal size. I think a couple of years ago, he was a really, really good back for Baylor. Um, all bets were kind of off during the COVID season. He didn't play a lot, but man, uh, I, I would say at the very least, Mike Yersitz has a couple of very interesting options and we might be talking a lot about John Lovett, uh, in the fall. I'm anxious to see how he does. I like the picks though, Bayou and love it. I'm going to have some more offensive, uh, positional breakdowns later this week. We have a couple other series planned in the coming weeks. We won't, we, let's not tease them because things change and we, but we, we, we have, we like, we want to have a nice little run up to the start of spring practice whenever that might begin uh, at Penn state. I don't think we've got definitive word on that, Greg, but we have a lot planned next week is the plan for Dave Jones. I'm told hopefully he will not be vacationing somewhere. We'll be able to track him down somewhere in suburban Philadelphia and we'll get his thoughts on a lot of things, but uh, that's it for this week's edition of the Blue White Breakdown, Penn Lives Penn State Football Podcast. Greg, real quick, anything to add between so anything for the fans to kind of anything you're working on this week or this weekend? I saw you got a chance to talk to Shaka Tony. Real interesting guy, real interesting player. I think he can play at the next level. Anything you have that you're working on for the next few days? Yeah, you know, not too much. We'll, I think, both be putting out calls to our tech subscribers for mailbag questions here in the next couple of days for this weekend, week, week and weekend's editions. I had a chance to catch up with Texas quarterback Nick Evers yesterday. Not yet sure when we're going to run that, but interesting uh, recruit that Mike Yersich recently offered. He talked a lot about what a virtual visit at Penn State was like. So we'll be on top of that and uh, waiting for the Tim Banks news to drop, Bob. I got over under 457 on Friday. Take us out there. <laughs> <laughs> I like that inside joke, but it is really true. 